G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, on the summer series of 2020 today, we head back to last summer when the Paul Coleman Trio did a full reunion tour of Australia. And it was at that time that the band's bass player, Grant Norsworthy, released his debut solo album titled Resident Alien. And I had the absolute pleasure of being able to sit down in the studio and have a bit of a chat to Grant. It's his debut album, and he's uh, talking it up a little bit, oh, uh, thanks, try, trying to get away from the whole Paul Coleman thing and no, out, no, from under your, um, out from under Paul's shadow a little. Thank you, Matt, for having me here. I'm not trying to get away from the Paul Coleman tree at all, but uh, did find myself with a bunch of songs that I wanted people to be out of here. So here it is, Resident Alien. Now, this album's come a little bit out of your work as a solo artist in the last few years, I guess, in between reunions and tours with the Paul Coleman <laughs> yeah. trio. Yeah, you know, I, I actually think of myself as being a speaker first. I call what I do Grant Norsworthy Word and Song. And that's really just to, to encapsulate this idea that I'm speaking and singing. You know what? I think the world's had enough of singer-songwriters who talk too much between the songs. I wanted to be a speaker who could do songs between the speaking. You know, it sort of ends up being the same thing, but... You know, if I sell myself that way, people aren't disappointed if I if I do a lot of talking. I'm actually finding that I can communicate better as a speaker, and I love to do these songs to sort of enhance that mm. uh, rather than the other way around. So what led you to putting this collection of songs onto an album? Well, while, while I was with Sonic Flood, um, and I finished with them about three and a half years ago, it fell to me to be a spokesperson from stage and in interviews on behalf of Compassion. Uh, a lot of your listeners will have heard of the organisation Compassion. Find out more from compassion.com.au. And uh, this idea of speaking really, really sat with me well. And then when I, when I finished my time with Sonic Flood, I decided I wanted to be a speaker. So I started in America, where I, where I live. I started going to colleges and church services and youth camps and uh, festivals and events as a speaker. But I love to have an acoustic guitar around my neck and you know, do some songs to enhance that. To in the same way that you can actually make a really serious point by telling a good joke, mm-hmm. uh, you can you can speak about something, but but make the the speaking or the, what you're talking about go deeper when you wrap it around songs. And I found myself with this bunch of songs that I really loved singing for people that people were connecting with. The, the songs were enhancing what I was speaking about, and people wanted to take them away with them. You know, that song that you did when you spoke today at my church. How do I buy it? And I'd say, uh, you can't. It's not available. I don't. I don't know. Mm. So I decided, look, it'd be great to have um, a way for people to take these home, you know, or to download them as we so often do. Yeah, so it's, it's a wonderful thing. You know, I, I spent a lot of my life seeing songs as a commodity to be sold, you know, these things to be to be selling to sort of line my own nest. Um, but after those few years, I think I think I've got a bit of a pure more uh, more pure, sorry, my mother might be listening, a more pure idea of what songs are for. They're actually just a vehicle to connection. Uh, they're not something to be bought and sold, even though we do, and that's okay. But really what we're trying to do with songs is just help help people to connect with a thought, to connect with an idea, to connect with each other, and, and most profoundly, I believe, to connect more deeply with God. That's what songs are for. They're a gift. So uh, I am selling the CD, but uh, but uh, I'm trying to see them as just merely a way of helping us to connect with God and each other. 
Now, you, you mentioned a few times, um, I guess it's a, li- a little bit the Aussie way. Eh? You put yourself down a bit, not having yeah. to be the whole tall popping. You know, it's like, oh, you know, the bass player picking up a guitar and, and having a solo album. Yeah. But when you think about it, it, it is actually unusual because when you are known for that for so long, for being one particular type of musician, yeah. that's usually where you stay. So what's it been like for you transitioning away from just being the bass player to also being a singer-songwriter who can play bass in a band. Yeah, it's been very painful in the fingertips because <laughs> those little skinny strings hurt a lot more than the big fat ones, or at least they do for me. No, but, but more seriously, um, look, it's been really interesting. Um, it's been a, an enormous amount of growth for me. I Actually, this is not very widely known, but straight out of high school, I went to teacher's college and taught fourth grade, uh, grade four, for a couple of years before I joined the Paul Common Trio. Uh, it turns out I am a teacher after all. I've always had a guitar lying around. I've always liked to sing backing vocals, but it was a really a, a very big growth for me to go, all right, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to be a lead singer. Um, yeah, it's been wonderful. I think people have responded to it really well. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the songs that you've put on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the album here, you've got 12 different tracks that you've uh, decided, yep, this is what you want to put onto the album. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the ones that caught my attention looking at the back of it was a song that you actually did for the very first time. Us Aussies got a, a real buzz out of this, and the fact that the first time you ever did the whole Grant Norsworthy, I'm a solo artist, as well as being the bass player from Paul Coleman Trio, was the song Rwanda, which you sang yeah. during one of the reunion concerts at... Easter Fest in 2011. Right, I think it was like on a, a smaller side stage. It wasn't part of the Paul Common Trio set, right? But I, but I stepped aside and did it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, you, you sort of come out and uh, you know, the, the trio were doing a set and you come out and started talking a little bit about compassion. And Paul handed you his guitar and you sang this song, Rwanda. Yeah. Tell us a little about that song and why did you decide to put it on this particular album? Well, that's one of the main songs that I've been playing while I've been speaking. As, and traveling around. I, I do that mainly in the US, but also here in Australia. And we're saying Rwanda, R-W-A-N-D-A. It's a little country on the eastern side of Africa. Many years ago, about 12 years ago now, I found myself at the back of a church building at the end of a church meeting in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, someone had been there, a woman from Uganda, and she spoke about the work of compassion. And she had a table at the back of the room there covered with these little plastic envelopes with cardboard in them and ink on it. That each of these child profiles, they represented a kid, you know, someone someone in need. And I I stood there and I cast my eyes over that table and and one little girl's face caught my eye. She's a little girl from Rwanda. Her name's Karabo. And I don't know why, but but it really connected with me, this thought that, gee, Karabo's lived a very tough life because I knew that she must have lived through the genocide that happened there in Rwanda. And I thought, oh, man, she must have had a really tough break. Uh, so I decided to become a sponsor back then. And that was um, the first step on a really profound journey for me. And I'm, I'm forever thankful to Compassion uh, for allowing me to be on this journey with them because with one little sort of chip away at my heart at a time uh, over those years, I've begun, to, I've begun to see the opportunity for me uh, that is held in those who are in need, those people who are doing life tough, um, this is not a religious obligation. This is not something that I can do, you know, helping the poor, helping those who are in need so I can feel good about myself. Most profoundly, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to show the value of God in my life. I feel like the way that God is connected with me most profoundly and most deeply is uh, through those who are in need. And it's making sense of Matthew 25 
the sheep and the goat story to me now because Jesus says to us that the way I treat the least of these, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the lonely and the imprisoned, that is how I treat God. That's how I connect with God. It's sort of hidden from us, but but there he is waiting for us to to worship, waiting for us to to extend ourselves with compassion towards them. And so in 2009, when I got to go to Rwanda, I met Karabo. And uh, she's this sassy 16-year-old girl uh, in 2009 who wanted to be an airline pilot, uh, but living in one of the poorest countries in the world. But uh, because of compassion, uh, a healthy young lady who's getting an education, who knows, knows God's love for her, and also uh, got to meet a little, little guy named Rafiki, who's soccer mad like all Rwandan boys, and a little girl named Sandrine. I got to go to her home, actually, where she lives with her grandfather. And I haven't met Martin yet. He lives in Uganda. But uh, these kids, the relationship is precious to me, and God speaks to me through them in a mysterious way through these letters that we get to share. And uh, and uh, not just those children, but um, the whole nation of Rwanda has changed my, my life, changed my uh, perspective on so many things, and that's expressed itself in the song Rwanda. You can find that and 11 other tracks on Grant's debut solo album called Resident Alien. But Grant, before I let you go, tell me a little bit about the title, Resident Alien. <laughs> is, is that sort of a reference to an Aussie living in the US, maybe? It is, but there's two other layers to it, actually. Um, Resident Alien is my official sort of immigration status in the United States. I'm an Australian, but I've been living in the US for the last 10 years. And Resident Alien is what some people might call the green card. Uh, yes, you're allowed to live here. We're very happy for you to live and uh, earn money and pay taxes. We won't draft you into the army. You can't vote. You're not really one of us. You're a resident alien, but we're very happy to have you in America. That's the sort of the first most surface level of the title. Mm-hmm. The second level, though, is, you know, I, I don't feel very at home in the United States. I, I've made my home there um, and I enjoy my life there, but I do feel like a missionary uh, in a, in many ways, sent to introduce Christians to Jesus, if I can be so bold as to put it that way. And so uh, I feel a little bit foreign in the United States, in a perpetual state of mild culture shock over there. But, you know, I've been there long enough to, to feel this as well. When I come home to Australia, I feel a bit of an alien as well. You know, Australia has continued to do what it does, and I don't quite fit in here. And this is actually pretty healthy, I think, because you know what? Those of us who are followers of Jesus, in fact, all of us, we're actually not intended for the earth, for the world the way it is. We should all feel a little bit alien. 
And I'm trying to realize that if I am really trying to succeed at life, 2012, in the way the world presents itself, I mean, really what I'm buying into there is, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a successful person if I'm popular, if I have a lot of stuff, if I have a good career, if people think well of me. And I'm realizing that uh, all of those things in and of themselves, they're not wrong, but they might be the things that are distracting me from surrendering my life more completely to Jesus. Mm. I'm created for eternity. I'm created for something bigger that I actually can't see right now. And all of us, you too, Matt, you know, all of our listeners, this this earth is not where we're supposed to succeed, not in an earthly sense. We're, We're intended for something bigger, something different. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.